Welcome to the Split Line Off-Road Podcast. Are you ready to go GNCC Racing? Fans running to the fences, side by side. Boards gets a better line. Oh boy, we got wheel to wheel right here. String. Oh, and Stu Baylor right behind him. Russell going to try to dive bomb down. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Split Line Off-Road Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Rodney Cooper, and with me today, as always... Brandon White here, guys. Hope you had a happy 4th of July. Yeah, we're still celebrating. Heck yeah, hopefully no one lost some fingers. <laughs> <laughs> At least not important fingers like clutch fingers or yeah. thumb throttle fingers. No we, one, uh... we need those phalanges. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, hopefully everyone had an awesome weekend. Uh, hopefully everybody got to see those really insane Red Bud motos this weekend. Uh, we won't really talk too much about those today, but man, what yeah. great racing that was. RJ Hampshire. Killing it. The, we'll call him the America American dream because he never gave up. <laughs> he never gave up. Man, he hit the ground, get back up, go again, hit the ground, get back up, go again. Uh, yeah, so we got an awesome podcast lined up for you today. We got a couple special guests uh, lined up. Yeah, we have Ethan Hillebig uh, coming on the show. Uh, we'll talk a little about fitness, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Talk about some fitness and uh, how it relates to racing. Uh, we all know it plays a huge part. So he's going to kind of help us break it down and uh, hopefully, I'm sure we're going to learn, learn some today. Yeah. yeah, sure. And then we also have uh, XC2. A pro Ronnie Rush coming on. Uh, he's going to come on and talk to us about his season, how he's been doing this year. He's been having a really great season so far this year. He just won Snowshoe a couple weeks ago. So it's going to be a big show today. So we're excited to get into it. Uh, but first and foremost, we got to thank our awesome sponsors. And uh, 1985, <laughs> sorry, in 1985, Guts Racing was formed in Northern California. And since then, he's been, they've been a leader in seat innovation and technology. Uh, for anything you need seat related, you gotta trust Guts. I mean, Thad Duvall in the woods or Joel Hedrick on the track, those guys trust Guts. You definitely should too. Uh, best seats out there, right, Brandon? Heck yeah, man. Uh, I, I'm gonna have to get one for my quad since I broke it back out this weekend. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about that. Brandon got back on the quad this weekend. Yeah. It was good to see that. <laughs> good to see him back on four wheels, so. Uh, yeah. Yeah, did you see what I was riding this weekend? Yeah, you're riding you're riding a four-legged machine, I think. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> <laughs> no control. Like, I feel like you have no control on a horse. Zero. Zero control. <laughs> but I did find out the horse that I was on is actually an ex-racer. Oh, there you go. Yep. He, yeah. he had his, like, name tattooed on his so, uh, neck. So, is, like, is that where racers come to die? I guess so. Because, you know, you haven't raced anymore. <laughs> He's, he, he was a retired racer. He had a half an ear bitten off. <laughs> That's what the jockey rough, did. To, rough life. To make him go faster, bite it on his ear. Neck tattoo, <laughs> half an ear. He had a rough life. Prison. <laughs> Prison. Yeah, for uh. sure. So, uh, man, let's just talk real quick about Red Bud. RJ Hampshire, you already mentioned that a little bit. Yeah. Dude went ham this weekend. Yeah. Uh, he uh, rode to a 2 2 uh, moto finish for the for overall. first overall. But those 2 twos, they didn't really. 
he was the fastest guy out there, correct? Oh, yeah. There's no arguing that. No, no. Yeah. He, he definitely was dialed out there at Red Bud and looking great. And yeah. Just had a couple uh, mistakes. Jet Lawrence had a hero rod coming back from, from dead last to end up finishing, I think, six in the Moto 1. Yeah. Uh, and then a solid Moto 2. Uh, but, uh, yeah, great racing all around uh, with the 250s, 450s. Um, man. Ferrandez is looking tough. Oh, dude. He's I, looking tough to beat. He's, he's going to be the guy to beat. Absolutely. Uh, Roxon looked good. I Honestly, I'm impressed with Roxon. Yeah. I've not seen him be that Cindy in a while. Yeah. A lot of people were casing that uh, oh, that man. uphill triple, and he was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, one time it, it hurt. You it, know it looked hurt. like it hurt. And then, he, and then he got thrown off the bike uh, pretty <laughs> good. That in the, I think it was Moto2. So, yeah. you know, uh, it's good to see him out there and sending it and trying to uh, really uh, – yeah, ET3. ET3's back. He's back. He's back. Right? I is mean, I, got, I I think he's he's backish. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I think he is. Yeah, he's back. He's back. I mean, it's just Dylan's Oh, Dylan's on a I different mean, level. I mean, Dylan right still now. passed him. Yeah. So, well, and uh, Dylan did catch well, him on he the, passed at the, him the first moto, not the second moto. But he he caught him. He caught him, but, but he nobody's going to pass ET3 on on not the last he's lap. Out there, no. Nobody. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh Man, anything else to cover before we get into our guest lineup? The other thing I just want to mention, AP, man, Aaron Pleasant is oh, looking gosh. so good out there, man. I love that guy. Dude, is so. it just me or is he, you know, he, he? first off, he's being himself, but he's being ultra himself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's <laughs> insane. It's just like that hair. Like the it's hair, kind of at it's the getting, point. It's, it's got the point where I'm just like, all right, dude, no, you got to do something with that. No, it's I, getting my, better. You and, think? It, it's never been a really good. Like he he you know he's fighting that receding hairline pretty hard. <laughs> well, I was gonna say he has more hair on the back. <laughs> yeah, he's fighting. So it's never been the best mullet, but it's just getting more epic. How about so that? Should he get some Bosley and put up there or something? And nah, make it grow in, or, no. or do we just let it go wild? You know, let's just let's just go like, full scarlet. <laughs> sort of look like Jared Stanky. Stanky, yeah, yeah maybe a little, a little bit, dog. maybe a little bit. <laughs> so. uh yeah, let's go ahead and get into our first guest. Yeah, let's get Ethan on here and, and, uh, and learn some stuff about, you know, on the bike fitness and off the bike fitness a little bit and all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, we're back. And thank you to Ethan Helbig for joining us on the podcast today. Hey, Ethan, thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate it. Oh, no problem at all, guys. I'm super pumped to be on the podcast. Yeah, hopefully you had a happy fourth and uh, – kind of recovering today and and uh yeah man thanks for joining us we're uh just doing the same we're long day today we're still kind of celebrating a little bit <laughs> hey nothing wrong with that it's okay to celebrate a little here a little there yeah for sure so uh if you guys don't know ethan um he he's huge into health and fitness uh he's 2018 crossfit games competitor gym owner and personal trainer and he races in the ju the junior b gncc on an atv so uh he's got quite the laundry list of uh accomplishments so uh ethan talk to us a little bit about uh your business and 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 what you do uh off the bike before we get into the on bike stuff yeah so I have been in and out of CrossFit, not in and out of, I guess I've been steadily in CrossFit for about seven years. And uh, when I was 19, I ended up kind of buying into uh, a CrossFit gym. Um, I came into a very fortunate situation where one of the gym owners was actually moving because her husband got a new job. And I was kind of at that age where it was, I could either go to college, I can go into the trades, or I can you know, start building my own business. Um, so I bought in, I was half owner at the time 
And then in 2017, so fast forward about two or three years from then, um, the other business owner that was in on the business with me was kind of getting a little bit burnt out. So I decided that it was my time to kind of take over the full business. So we've always been a CrossFit strength and conditioning, um, more of a sports performance based uh, CrossFit gym. But I've essentially been part of, if not the full owner, since I was 19 years old. So I'm, I'm 25 now. Um, it's been about six years in the business, which is, you know, I'm pretty happy to say that I've owned my own business successfully for six years. We made it through COVID, the whole nine yards. So, I mean, yeah, that's, that's pretty much that's pretty impressive. what I do every day. That's is, pretty impressive since 19. That's, uh, yeah. yeah, that's Thank you. Most what? of us at 19 were drinking beer and, well, not really at 19. I guess we No, were. we weren't allowed to do that right <laughs> now. Um, yeah, most yeah. of us at 19 were definitely not owning our own business. And, uh, uh, I mean, to have an early start like that, as far as just as in business, I mean, yeah. that's insane and that's impressive. So, congrats on that. <laughs> so, when did, uh, when did racing come in? uh in your life did was it early did you ride like early in your life or did you just kind of pick it up or so i just started racing last year for the first time ever um i had a player's predator 90 when i was a kid and eventually graduated into a raptor 250 which was bone stock and i beat the ever-living crap out of that thing for like maybe two or three years and I sold that when I was 14 because I was getting heavy into hockey. So I played hockey my whole life. So I was never really allowed to race because, you know, we're only off for hockey three or four months over the course of the summer. So for me to risk, uh, you know, 10, 12, $15,000 hockey season to go race a, a one or two races over the summer just wasn't worth it. So I was never really allowed to race as a kid. Um, and this is last year in January when – you know, COVID was kind of becoming a thing. It was actually slightly before COVID. I bought a quad and uh, that was the first quad I've owned since I was 14. I haven't even been on a quad really since I was 14. So that's like what, 11 years. I was 24, 25. Yeah. Yeah. So I was 25 whenever I bought the quad technically. And uh, that was my, my, my first COVID purchase, I guess you can say. <laughs> you know, that that's you. It's you. You come from a really interesting perspective because, uh, as being like a competitor in the fitness industry, um, you know, first question that comes to my mind is, is when you decided to start racing GNCC, which is such a grueling sport, um, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, you you have physical to have demand physical demand for such a long extended period of time. How, you know, how, what did you, what did you feel like maybe once you first stepped into that realm, what were you lacking? Um, and then what, <laughs> do, what do you think uh, brought you, uh, what do you think, you know, you were able to bring to the sport um, uh, that, that, you know, helped you succeed? Yeah. So th this is actually probably going to be a little longer segment than you guys are planning for, but <laughs> th this was actually a perfect question because I was one of those people where I knew what I was getting into whenever I got into racing somewhat. Like I've gone out and rode a quad um, for, you know, 20, 30 minutes at a time, but it was never like an hour, two hours straight forward. Um, so I went out and did a CRA last year on a bone stock YFZ 450R. So it was bone stock. I think the only thing I had on it was a tether cord and some nerf bars. So I went out, did my first one hour event and 
I tore both of my hands wide open on like the second lap. So I went out there, both my hands were like blistered, bleeding, (laughs) never hung on to a quad like for that long without stopping. Didn't have any pit stop plan, nothing like that. Just went out, rode it for an hour. It was probably, it was one of those days last year, right before the 4th of July, um, where it might have actually, it might have been a little bit more before the 4th of July, but where we had that big heat wave in Pennsylvania last year where it was like 100 degrees almost for like two weeks straight. Well, I went out and hit that one hour race and it absolutely destroyed me. And that was like, kind of sad because i thought i was more fit than that which I, I really i really was like if you put me on pen and paper as a fitness athlete i've always been a little bit of like a freak because i'm a bigger guy i'm like 511 220 um but like when i was competing in crossfit that's a small athlete in like the football and the hockey world mm-hmm. i'm a monster in crossfit like the number like the fittest man in the world in crossfit is like 57185 <laughs> Yeah, so I'm 40 pounds heavier and like like almost four inches taller. But anyways, back to the story. Um, being on the quad for the first time that long kind of killed me. But the one thing that I brought to the sport that I picked up from CrossFit was like insane amounts of mental toughness. So like I've never quit a workout in CrossFit no matter how hard, how long, like how grueling it got. So like I got through that first hour and I've always had an addictive personality. So, like, I literally did one CRA race, and then I said, all right, screw this. This is too easy. I'm going to go do the John Penton GNCC in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I did last year's John Penton GNCC on a full stock YFZ 450R. So, I'm talking full width, stock shocks. The only thing I had I did between the CRA and the John Penton was I did put a recluse clutch in it, and actually Ryan from BNR did it for me because I had no idea what I was doing. All I knew was, like, wow, arm pump sucks. I really don't like this. Um, <laughs> I kind of want to get rid of that a little bit. So I started doing some research, found BNR Motorsports, and I actually messaged him. I was like, hey, what's this like recluse do? He goes, it's essentially an auto clutch where you can shift if you want to, but you never, you don't really have to pull the clutch if you don't want to. And I'm like, okay, when do I bring my quad over for you to put it on? And that was like <laughs> the first thing I did was put a, put a recluse and maybe like a pipe and a um, and a, a vortex on. So I rode that for, I think, three or four GNCCs. I was on full with travel and stock shocks. Yeah, yeah that's that's rough. <laughs> that's rough for sure. So, uh, yes. you know, did you feel like you struggled, like, with arm fatigue, like arm pump or, like, uh, lungs? Um, you know, what uh, do you think that – maybe is something that you're like, wow, this is this, this, this one particular thing I can pinpoint is, is making it harder than what I thought it was going to (laughs) be. So yeah, it was definitely the arm pump because I was always like, if I could make it through the first lap, I was good because arm pump hit me pretty hard for like maybe the first like 20 to 30 minutes. Uh But like I said, I've always had pretty good mental toughness. So like I would just keep riding. Like I never would stop. I would never take breaks. I wouldn't like try to you know, stop and flush my arms out, nothing like that. I always knew that if I could make it through like that first 20 to 30 minutes that when this arm pump releases, like my lap times will actually decrease, which is what happened last year, almost every single race. Like my first and second lap would be 
kind of a little bit on the slower side. And then I would shave like a minute or 90 seconds off by the time I got to my fourth lap. And my fourth lap would be my fastest lap every time. So arm pump is such a crazy thing, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, it is. And I'm actually, I've been doing a lot of practice with it. And I've almost gotten my supplement and my nutrition routine down to the point where like I physically don't have arm pump every single GNCC weekend now. Mm -hmm. So I've been kind of really putting in my practice hours outside of racing and playing out with different dosages of certain supplements to kind of help me with getting rid of my arm pump. So it's, it's been weird to, I guess you could say, enter into a sport where I never really got that feeling before. And now I'm playing around with, you know, different routines to try to get rid of that. But that was always my biggest downfall early on was if my arm pump was super bad, it would ruin like my first lap, maybe two. And then I'd always be playing catch up, but I almost never came off the track breathing heavy last year. Like I've always been fit enough to do it with the rest of my body. It was always just, you know, my hand would fly off the handlebars cause I literally couldn't hold on any longer. Yeah. So, the, you know, it's really crazy. Like I love fitness and I love um, watching the CrossFit games and stuff online. And, and just it's just really cool to see, like, because those guys, I mean, you guys are out there just pounding away as fast as you can go because, you know, it's more of a time segment a lot of times in CrossFit, especially at the CrossFit right. games and stuff. And and hearing a guy that comes from that background get on a fuller and go race a GNCC race, which, you know, a lot of people that look outside into the sport, they're like, oh, all you do is sit and ride and push a, you know, push a throttle or twist a throttle. Oh my um, god, the amount of times <laughs> I've heard, why do you have to be so fit to ride a quad? Oh, yeah, yeah. Go do it. It just blows my mind, and it's really great to hear from a guy that came from a, a, where you have to be, demand, you know, demandingly fit for the CrossFit games, and then come over and hop yes. on a quad into the GNCC world um, and run two hours, and where everybody thinks it's just push a throttle and go. Um, struggle and have and have in a, and trying to find um, uh, ways to tweak their fitness to to help them ride better. Right. Yeah. And and here's the thing that people like don't understand that. And it's not that I didn't understand it. I just didn't think there was going to be such a big transition. Um, the biggest transition for me was learning how to be fit, like while getting my my butt absolutely kicked. Yeah. So yeah. the way I explained it was. Okay, anybody, I shouldn't say anybody. A lot of people can go out and run a mile. Okay, now what I want you to do is I want you to go out and run a mile with a blindfold on and not know what what terrain you're going to run into. So, like, you could be running in the rocks. Somebody could be throwing dodgeballs at you. Like, you never know which way the quad is going to kick and give you feedback. So, like, I had to learn how to always be prepared for feedback, always be prepared to, like, feel the kicks and the hard and the rough and – be all over the place on the bike while being, you know, fit and aerobic. So the biggest thing for me was trying to, I guess, alter my fitness level to put more riding in. That was the biggest thing was riding really does build its own fitness that I think people very much so overlook that. They just show up to the races and they race every weekend and they're like, man, why am I not getting any better? And it's like, it's amazing how much stamina and how much fitness you can build adding in like a 25, 30, 40 minute practice session into your, into your training. So for people who are a little bit more on like the amateur level, like we don't have full-time jobs of riding ATVs. That was actually where I believe I gained most of my racing fitness over the past year was making sure that I was getting on the bike one or two times, you know, outside of racing in between the GNCCs to try to get more seat time. 
You know, it's funny that you uh, – um, I'm going to go touch back on the arm pump thing because that's something that yes. I have struggled with uh, ever since I stepped onto a quad. And it is always like, you know – it hinders a lot of people from performing at their peak level and it's it's the most frustrating thing in my opinion because you can like you said i feel great i just can't hang on to the bike or right i can't push the throttle i have to wrap my hands around and pull the throttle and then it becomes dangerous so yes it's it's probably the most ty- the uh, as far as fatigue goes in your body it's probably the most dangerous type of fatigue that you can have so and it's also one of the things that it seems to be maybe different for everybody to figure out how to get rid of it or how to yes. better prep yourself for it. Um, I myself, uh, over the past several years, have figured out kind of my own regiment where um, um, I do a lot of stretches with my forearms and then um, I do a lot of like m- – I roll my forearms out on like a uh, golf ball or something like that to break those muscles yep. down. Um, is there, you know, is what type, I'm sure like you've studied it even more in depth. So what type yeah. of advice um, would you give people that, that struggle with that, that maybe you found a solution for? So, yeah, I mean, I am the type of person where before every single race, I stretch for an hour, but like my morning prep routine, I race at two o'clock my morning, like, Getting prepped and ready for the race starts at 8 a.m. for me. So it does – it starts with a lot of nutrition because lactic acid is actually like a nutritional-based byproduct. So for people who think that um, I guess there's one fix for it, there really isn't because it all starts like with your diet. If you eat like crap leading into the week and then you know you have a ton of high acidic food sitting in your body going into the weekend, that's normally the biggest byproduct. And one of the reasons that stretching makes you feel good is because stretching creates blood flow and blood flow flushes out lactic acid. So you're on the right track with the whole stretching and, and rolling thing because that's what you need to do to actually break up lactic acid in, in muscle tissue. Um, but to add to the, I guess you could say the arsenal, I always use like a massage gun. I use scraping tools, which is maybe someone who's not Somebody who's never heard of a scraping tool, I wouldn't rec- them, recommend them going out and like, hey, I'm going to go buy a scraping tool and just start scraping the crap out of my forearms. But if you know somebody who has some kind of experience, there's a lot of PTs, chiropractors, somebody who might be willing to show you how to use a scraping tool. Um, I recently just bought a scraping tool and I actually use it on some of my PT clients. I use it on some of my clients that I work with at the races. Um, that's been one of my biggest benefits was the scraping tool. And then if you've never heard of something called voodoo floss bands, uh, rogue fitness makes them essentially what it is. It's like, it's a long singular thin band that you wrap around your forearm and it restricts the blood flow. So if you were to put that on and then do your forearm stretches, you're actually stretching with no blood flow. So you're like working the muscle tissue through, through restriction. Then when you take the band off the blood, the backed up blood flow will actually go through and flush everything out. So that's what I do before every race. I, I typically voodoo floss my forearms. Um, that's like the last thing I do right before I put my jersey on and hop on the bike to get under the line is I'll voodoo floss my forearms. And Brandon's, if Brandon's has, over here taking notes. Yeah, I'm taking notes. <laughs> yeah, and if anybody has questions on that, they can DM me on Instagram and I will send them the link to what I use. I can even send them like a quick video on how I use it. I mean, if anybody races GNCC, they can always contact me and meet me up like for the races, I'm, I'm more than willing to, sh- you know, share some of these tips and tricks that I've been kind of learning. 
because yeah. voodoo floss bands are better for it's not just for forearms so like there's a lot of things out there that are i know somebody came out with like that arm pump clamp um essentially what that is is it's you know it's kind of like a similar thing as like a voodoo floss band except like the arm pump clamp only hits one little spot where a voodoo floss band i can wrap you from the top of your elbow all the way down to your hand so we're now working your entire forearm in a 360 degree wrap versus just like one little trigger point yeah, that's, that's, and really, I, that's really cool. That's really cool because because a lot of yeah. time, uh, in this case, and a lot of people might not know what arm pump is. Arm pump is where your forearm swells with a lot of blood and, and, and too much blood flow at one time and expands your, your arm, and then you cannot grip pretty much anything. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah. Essentially what it is is it's a blockage. So that's where lactic acid and blood buildup come together. Um, and essentially, yeah, they restrict the outgoing blood so everything just gets stuck in there. That's essentially what happens. Yeah, and that's where the danger factor comes in when you can't hang on. <laughs> yes, I've had that, I've had some whiskey throttles happen to me plenty of times. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, man, that's that right there. You could make a podcast on yeah, just yeah, on pump. just arm pump. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, might- if, if you guys had a YouTube channel, we could do a forty-five minute on how to prep forearms for racing. <laughs> that would be like probably the number one watched. Whoa. video in 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 dirt world racing that yeah. might that that's, that might be in the in the plans yeah, uh we're, yeah we're working on all that so <laughs> so, so once okay, we yeah okay. once, once we do that we'll have to uh regroup and uh and and do uh a round two uh so we can get some visuals on on stretches and the uh, voodoo flossing that you're talking about and uh and by the time that happens i'll be in the sport a little bit longer and i'll be collecting more information so that's yeah, all that's awesome. that all sounds great to me there we go there we go brandon um you have some questions yeah that, from we got DM from listeners. From, yep. Yeah. Yep. So, first thing, uh, one of the listeners wants to know um, water intake. Um, when yes. a hot day, because, uh, you know, I'm guessing you're preparing for a, a race, um, when should you start really drinking your water? Because I, um, I think, as a listener's asking, you know, because I think a lot of people think, oh, the day of the race, I need to drink a lot of water. Mm-hmm. Um, but when should, when should they start drinking the water? Okay, so here's the big trick on hydration. It's 48 hours in advance. So if the race is on Saturday, you should start your intake Thursday morning, and you should not be drinking water only because here's what happens. A lot of times people will start chugging water, and what do you do whenever you chug water? You flush. You pee. You pee pee a lot. Mm -hmm. So what you do is you actually flush all the sodium out of your body because you just went from drinking like two Red Bulls and Bud Lights to now all of a sudden, you know, you're drinking – water more than your body's probably ever taken taken in in the matter of 24 hours and you flush all the sodium out of your body and it actually decreases hydration so what you have to do is you either add in pedialyte gatorade you can add in salt and i mean what you could honestly do is just add extra sodium to your food depending on how clean your diet is but that's one of the biggest issues especially whenever you start the day of because your body doesn't actually have the time to absorb the hydration all you're doing is flushing the sodium out of your body, and that's why a lot of people throw up whenever they drink crazy crazy amounts of water Saturday morning, and then they go into a race because they're actually more depleted than whenever they would have went in. Interesting. Gotcha, gotcha. Interesting. Make sure I don't do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's true. So if you're going to do it, yeah. minimum is Friday morning. Start yeah. Friday morning mm-hmm. and make sure that you're alternating between water and Gatorade or you're adding in enough sodium to actually absorb hydration. Like, that's the big thing. Okay, man. That's right. first I've heard that. So that's, that's definitely that's interesting, interesting for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a trick I picked up from CrossFit was never hydrate the day before you got to hydrate days in advance. Okay. 
Sweet. Uh, all right. So another question is how many days before a race should you have a rest day? So if you're in a gym, I'm guessing we're talking about like in the gym, working out, during the workouts, how many days before a race should you stop working out? Okay. So this, this is very specific. It's all based off of the amount of volume that you put in. Um, I actually feel best whenever I work out the day before a race, but I keep my intensity low. Like, so for me, when we went to snowshoe, we traveled Thursday. So I actually took a rogue echo bike with me in my trailer and I rode my echo bike for 45 minutes on Friday before the race. Because if I, if I sit for too long, my body gets like, kind of like it stiffens up. So for me, I actually like to get some kind of exercise in on Friday before the race. Um, but that's me coming from a background where like, I literally used to work out like four to six hours a day as a full-time job. So that's just the way that my body's accustomed to, um, for most people, I have a client right now, um, that I work with on race weeks, we work out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday with an active recovery day on Thursday. So we'll do strength and conditioning Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is like an easy, um, nice little pedal with some stretching, maybe some yoga afterwards. So I do enough for her just to get blood flow going. And then Friday is a full rest day for her. And then she races on Saturday. And that seems to be the, re the best routine that we've come up with. Um, I also help her with rolling out and stretching for half an hour every Saturday morning before the AM race. So we do things, like I said, a little bit more on like a scheduled regimen. It also depends on traveling. Um, obviously, if they're waking up at you know, five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning to drive to Indiana on Thursday, there's no way she's going to get a workout in. So we can make adjustments to her programming and her plan based off of what the travel schedule is like. But in an ideal situation, you have a few good workouts, maybe Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, some kind of an active recovery day, Friday's a rest day, and then you race. Um, that would be what I would recommend for most of the amateurs. I mean, if, if this was some, like a uh, professional racer asking, um, their program through me would probably look slightly different just based off of the amount of volume and training that they would put in on, on a daily or weekly basis. So, I mean, that's where my mindset goes when anytime I'm looking at, you know, where should you appropriate your, your rest days, your recovery days and, and your actual training days on race week. Okay. Good, Brandon. Okay. Uh, another question is um, post race recovery. Uh, what should you yes. do post uh, after the race? Um, so I'm a huge fan of carb loading. Um, believe it or not, that's like my biggest go-to is I sort of, I typically carb load before and after, uh, the races, you know, protein shakes are great. You can have a protein shake after the race, but unless you're tracking your macros, um, and very, very strict on your diet, post-workout recovery would be protein shake and then try to get in a good source of carbs, like some pasta, some pizza. I mean, I do flexible dieting. Um, I don't eat like chicken and rice three meals a day, every single day. So for me, it's more about eating enough to feel good versus eating super strict. Because one thing I've learned is that tracking, like tracking my food consumption stresses me out more than anything. And that's the last thing that you need in life is more stress when everything we do is stressful. So I would just say making sure that you're getting in enough food and, you know, hopefully it's quality food, but if it's not, getting in enough calories to physically recover from the race is is typically key number one man food take is such a tricky thing because you know i mean every time you turn around there's there's a new way or or uh somebody saying you need to do it this way do it that way um so are you do you feel like it's more about 
because you got so many things. You got people saying that it's more about what you eat. There's more, some people saying it's more about how much of it you eat. And then there's some people say it's more about when you eat it. Uh, where do you fall in that category? So I do everything based off of performance and not fad. There's a lot of people that confuse like the fad, like the, the coming in and the coming out of diets as like the new way to, to, you don't want to take weight loss and put that into performance. So Here's like my stages. First of all, you need to eat enough. That's, that's normally people's biggest problem. Like you wouldn't go to a GNCC that requires one and a half tanks of gas. You wouldn't show up with three quarters of a tank of gas and just hope that you make it through there, right? You'd rather, you'd rather have one and a half tanks of 93 than three quarters of a tank of 110 to do a race. Right. Right? Okay. That's where you start. So you always make sure that you have enough fuel in the body to physically do the task at hand. Like I said, I teach people how to track macros. That's a good way because what I can do is I can break down how many calories you're burning in a week, what your body needs to survive, what your performance level is, and I can tell you, okay, you need to eat this many calories a day in order to maintain weight, lose weight, gain weight, whatever your goal is. So I always go off of consumption first, and then if we need to hit bigger goals from there, that's when you go by quality. Um, the only thing I will say is that a lot of people don't have the time to physically cook quality foods seven days a week. So that's why I've always gone with a more flexible dieting is because I can tell you how much you're allowed to eat. We can put it into an app and you know when you're done for the day where anytime you get into more like the custom cooking, the, you know, I'm going to make chicken, rice, I'm going to weigh everything out. You just have to have the time for it. So I would say, depending on where you're at with racing, fitness, what your goals are, start with eating enough. Um, obviously not overeating to the point where, you know, that's the issue, but I would say most people don't eat enough and then go to quality if you need to take it a step further. So that's kind of where I fall is I always start with, I always start with quantity. Then we go to quality and control. Yeah. Meal prepping's uh pretty is rough. Uh, <laughs> you do it. Cause like what me and my wife, we did a really big, uh, maybe three years ago, I lost like 35 pounds. Um, but I was on a strict diet. Um, I actually had a guy make me up, uh, you know, my own diet sheet and all that. And, and, uh, yeah. we, we cooked all of our food on Sunday. We prepped it all up, you know, dinners, lunches, break, you know, all of it. And I just turned it in the microwave, warmed it up and ate it. And, uh, I mean, I, it worked, but man, it really, it kind of, it kind of gets mentally to you because, when I'm looking at yeah. uh, ground up hamburger every night and um, a side of uh, a side of beans or rice in it, and you just kind of get old. But <laughs> it's hard to be attain obtainable. It is like to, for the long term. I mean, it got me to point A to point B, but then after that, I, I kind of put on about ten more. Like put back on a little bit of weight because I was like, "There's no way yeah. I can hold that down." <laughs> <laughs> and see that that's normally the one big thing about like other diets is like you, you're you're so strict for so long that it burns you out. Where it's, people need to realize. If, if you take the, the quantity and the quality method, if you're like 70, 30 on the, on the quality method, you're doing better than you were before. I mean, if, if before was 80% not quality and now you're doing, you know, that 70, 30, 60, 40, just based off of hitting your daily intake and having a decent amount of quality there, it's going to help you regardless. That's where you're going to feel your best is making sure that you're not mentally stressing yourself out. You're enjoying like the whole dieting portion um of the i guess you could say of the regimen but also not being so strict to the point where you're burning yourself out that's where people normally hit those you know highs and lows of 
life is they get stressed out with something. It worked really well, but it burnt them out to the point where it's like, okay, I can't do that anymore, so I'm just going to go back to this. Now, this isn't a listener question. This is actually my own personal question. Where do you stand yeah. on um, on intermediate fasting? Um, it's <laughs> something that I've kind of been playing around with for the past several years, and I've really enjoyed it. I feel like I do – I feel like I – operate better when I don't eat breakfast, um, just on a day-to-day basis. Um, what, but I know that, that there are some people that take it way extreme to where, you know, they're only eating one meal a day and their like window of eating is, is very, very small. Uh, where do you fall on that? I do it. Do you? Okay. Uh, so I eat, I eat from 12 to eight every day. Okay. And for me, it was, so I, I, I got really lazy during COVID, believe it or not. So <laughs> I, 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 I kind yeah, I kind of got caught up in work way too much. And the only thing outside of work was more work and then racing. So I actually wasn't really working out that much. I think I weighed about 240 or 245. And then the off season hit. So like we went into November last year, racing season was over, work slowed down the whole nine. I went into doing, you know, working out again and intermittent fasting, and I dropped 25 pounds in four and a half weeks. Now, it's low extreme, but I also went from not doing any kind of dieting, any kind of really exercising maybe like once or twice a week to all of a sudden I was laid off from construction. I was back in the gym. I was working out like two, sometimes three times a day, intermittent fasting, doing everything that I could to, you know, get ready for the next season because I knew I was going to race the afternoon. So... I've been doing intermittent fasting since last year, and I love it. It's, it's been working great for me. It works good for my schedule because, A, I'm a caffeine addict, so typically it's hard for me to eat breakfast in the morning because the first thing I do is wake up and drink coffee. But it also allows me to get in my quantity in a shorter window, and I don't feel as bad when I do it, where if I start eating at 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning, because typically I'm up at like 4.45 or 5 o'clock. I work out from 5.30 to 6.30. So if I start eating somewhere around 7, the problem is I physically can't stop. I will eat from yeah. 7 o'clock in the morning until I go to bed. Absolutely. When I do, <laughs> Yes. And when I do intermittent fasting, I can eat one meal at noon, a snack at like 3 or 4 o'clock, and then a good meal at like 7, 7.30, sometimes closer to 8. And I'm content. Like, that's enough. There's some days that, like, hey, I'm, I'm a little hungry today. I might have to break fast early or, like, hey, I got to go late. But I would say out of 10 days, I'm, I probably hit eight or nine of them perfectly in my window. I'm content. I kind of eat whatever I want just because I'm never home. I'm always on the go. And it works great for me because I got a busy life. So for me, trying to, you know, eat less times throughout the day, not really worrying about, you know, oh, I got to pack breakfast and a snack and lunch and then another snack and then what am I going to have for dinner and then after dinner I'm probably going to be hungry again and it's just like it was getting to be too much and as soon as I switched over to fasting my my eating habits and I guess you could say my eating demand went way down but it's not causing me to suffer on a performance level if anything it's I've heard it I've done a lot of reading on it it's really good for endorphins so especially because like endurance in general relies on endorphins so if you get that balance in your body, it actually is good to work out fasted. And I typically work out at 530 in the morning. So that was my biggest reason was to switch over was it just aligned with my schedule very well. Man, 
I envy people that that work out that early. I I struggle so I always want to, but I always struggle yeah. so hard yeah. with with just getting up and doing it. That that yes. month that me and my wife lost the weight, we uh, got up at five five fifteen, did a th- about a fifteen to twenty minute hit cardio in the morning, and then we hit the gym in the evening like we do it together in the morning, man. And I'm sure you feel I'm sure yes. you feel insanely yeah. good. I'm sure you feel insanely good when you do that. Oh man, it, like the weight, the, rest the, of the day. fat dropped really quick. I mean, it just fell off, and then but then life gets busy and and you start going to bed a little later and. You know, I don't want to go right. 15 in the morning. Well, and that's like, that's my exact thing is like, I, I work out at five 30 in the morning. Cause like, I literally don't have another time throughout the day. Cause typically I work, I, I go to the gym at five 30 in the morning. I work construction from seven to three 30. I go back to the gym and you know, I do coaching. I do all of my other stuff for the business. I'm building a second gym right now. So there's a lot of times I'm leaving work going and, you know, doing like I, I was painting all weekends. Um, ordering equipment, building equipment, picking up stall mats. So like right now life is kind of crazy. So my only option right now really is to work out at five 30 in the morning on, on most days. Um, but I do, I prefer working out in the evenings much more. If it, it was just one of those <laughs> things where I kind of have to. So in the morning, real quick in the morning, are you leaning more towards a cardio or a lifting session or is it just depend? So I'm doing CrossFit classes. I actually, okay. so since I own a CrossFit gym, I do all of the programming. Okay. Um, but I do my CrossFit classes as of right now. And then during the, the weekends, during off days, I add in like extra cardio. So I'll do intervals on the bike, intervals on the rower. I'll do some, I'll set a clock for an hour and I'll just go do, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to run. I'm going to run a quarter mile. I'm going to row 500 meters and I'm going to bike two miles and I'm going to do that for 60 minutes straight. So like I'll add stuff like that in on top of doing CrossFit. But, um, the way that I program CrossFit is fairly well-rounded. So the reason I like CrossFit is because it teaches me how to sprint. And that's the one thing that people I think get away from when they get into racing is they think, Oh, I have to train for two hours and two hours only. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, you don't because I guarantee you when you're going for your, your two hour cycle or your, you know, your two hour run, you're not practicing getting your heart rate to where it needs to be, to be on a, on a quad for two hours. You need to practice sprinting and intervals and you need to practice fluctuated heart rate, not like a smooth curve all the time. You really do need to practice both. And that's why I really enjoy CrossFit with additional aerobic, like aerobic capacity training, which is what I call that. That's like my hour of long, smooth heart rate monitored, uh, cardio, um, because it kind of prepares you for a little bit of everything and anything. I mean, if you're on a quad, it literally feels like a sprint for two hours. Nice. Um, so one, one last question from our listeners. Um, um, so this is from a, uh, I'm guessing a vet rider, um, plus 50, uh, he says plus 50 and older. How, how do you, um, how should they go about it? Um, you know, I, I guess is what he's asking is like, how should they go about like stretching and, 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 and getting ready for raises and stuff like that? Or how should, or I guess that he says doesn't fitness. matter with age. Yeah. Yeah. He says fitness. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, so the general question is what should like a pre-race routine kind of look like? Is that, is that yeah. the question? For, yeah. for, for, for a, a older a 50 plus rider. rider. Yes. I mean, I would say it would be the same for everybody, but right. for those guys, it's probably even a little bit more important. I mean, 
they need to be focusing on stretching out the muscles that are caught. I mean, do you guys suffer, suffer with low back pain while racing? Like just everything tightens up and just goes straight to your low back. Yes. Uh, I will say, Typically. um, um, that depends on <laughs> that depends on how much I fight arm pump. If I'm fighting arm pump, I sit okay, down. Okay. I sit down more. And if I sit down more, then my back hurts. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and, and I can agree with that. I'm taller, like so. When I stand up on my quad, sometimes that'll cause my back to hurt because I'm I'm very hunched over while holding onto the bars and in the attack mm -hmm. position. But honestly, the big thing that I found is stretching out the quads, the hamstrings, the hips. I do two minute stretching intervals. So like grabbing your ankle and putting your heel to your butt for 10 seconds before a race isn't really going to do much if you're going to do some stretching like you need to take a chunk of time a chunk of time and physically put in some stretching like before the race so i typically stretch for 30 to 40 minutes before every race i'll focus on two minutes on each hamstring two minutes on each quad you know i'll stretch out my groin and it's really hard to give somebody like a full laid out stretching program through a podcast. This is actually something that I really enjoy working with people on. So if the person who asked this question is listening to this podcast, like I would be a hundred percent down to meet somebody at the track, be like, Hey, this is what I do. These are the stretches that I do physically walk them through the stretches and make it so that, you know, I put a routine in their head that they remember because I practically do the same stretch for every race. Like you don't have to get super creative. It's just making sure that you're limber enough before the race that you're physically prepared for it. So, I mean, I, I, I know a lot of guys throw their boots on, do a couple toe touches and, you know, <laughs> ride, the, ride their quad down to the line. That's just, just not going to do it, especially if you're trying to push yourself for the two hours. And that's kind of where I, I learned that stretching <laughs> definitely does help that. I'm definitely guilty. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, you have this idea in your mind of the perfect race day sometimes. Yes. And it never and goes you like that. and well, what you really have to do, I think, is is set yourself like, okay, I can only BS in this person's pit for 20 more minutes cuz I have to get back to my to my trailer and start stretching or, or Oh yeah. Or I'm going to ruin my own race day. Yeah. You know, it, it's and, th and that's the thing. You really do have to set a schedule. Like you have to have a schedule of, hey, Race is at two o'clock. I'm gonna eat at noon. I start stretching at twelve thirty. I put my gear on at one fifteen. I'm down at the line at one thirty. You know, I'm, I'm sitting there waiting to go. I, I even, I even go as far as I take snacks with me down to the line because, like, I want to make sure that I have enough carbs in my body and something else to drink other than my camel pack to physically like be ready for the race. So, and you never know how say, long you're gonna be on that line. That's like, exactly that's, that's you a could tricky be down thing. there for. If you get down there at one thirty, they might start on time. They might, if, if it's snowshoe, they might start, you know, half an hour late. You're down there on the line for over an hour. And it's yeah. just like it, you just kind of have to be ready for whatever it is. But I keep the same schedule no matter what. Like I have, I have my food at 12. I do my stretching at 1230. I'm putting my gear on at like 110, 115. Bike fires up at like 1225 and I ride over the line. So that's where. You know, just having a routine and a plan in place definitely does prepare you for the race better mentally and physically. Uh, Brandon said that was the last listener question, but we do have one more, and uh, yeah. it's, it's a really important one, I think. Um, do you have to be able to bench press the, <laughs> bench press the weight of the quad? To look like you. To look like you. Is that, no. Is that, I, is that bench key? Bench press is actually probably my weakest <laughs> movement. I'm not going to lie. I've never been a bench presser and anybody who knows, you know, the BNR crew from racing ATVs, 
That has been the inside joke literally since I met Ryan and since I started <laughs> racing. It was, oh, if Ethan gets stuck in the mud, he'll just crawl under his quad and bench press it out. And I'm like, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. More like leg press, right? You probably leg press it before you Oh, yeah. Press. I could squat my quad all day. I mean, I squat 500 pounds on a good day, but I'm, I, I have no intentions of doing so. Hey, we do have another question from uh, Rodney's wife. Is CrossFit, hard, <laughs> is CrossFit hard on the joints? Yes, yeah, she was asking that. Okay, so CrossFit can be done many different ways. It can be done well, it can be done poorly. It all depends on, I hate to say it this way, it, it honestly depends on who owns the gym, who the coach is, how they monitor the programming, do they teach you how to stretch. I mean, anything is hard on joints. Racing quads is hard on joints. <laughs> you know, I've seen people get arthritis walking down the stairs, you know, going into, going into work for 30 years. It, it it's not that CrossFit is hard on joints. It's lack of maintenance is hard on joints. So that's the way that I like to put it. If you're good at taking care of yourself and you're not the person that shows up, does a workout, leaves right away, never goes home and stretches, never rolls out, you know, never gets a massage or takes care of your body, um, then, yeah, it's incredibly hard on your joints because, you know, the, the maintenance isn't there. It would be like taking your quad out every single weekend, never changing the oil, never changing the bearings, you know, never getting your shock service, just – packing on the hours your your body is the same way it just it needs some tlc to to move properly yeah okay. for sure we'll make sure she listens <laughs> <laughs> this, this might actually be the one she listens to so <laughs> hey, I, if, if i can get her to listen I'm, i'll be proud of that there we go hey uh ethan dude i feel like we are literally just touching the tip of the iceberg here yeah. uh with 100 with i the could amount. do this podcast for five hours yeah, yeah so so this definitely won't be the only one we do um a question I have is is and I'm sure a lot of listeners if uh, you know a lot of the guys that have questions obviously as well um are you a able to do any training remotely um are do you are you able to train yes. people that's away from your gym so currently I write a program for a girl in Ohio she comes and does a workout with me once a week so she comes and sees me in person once a week and then she works out at home uh three times a week so she works out Monday Tuesday Wednesday Friday I try to get her to ride every weekend so we don't do exercise on, on the weekends. Something we're going to start playing around with is working out then riding to try to get into like some fatigue training. But yes, I do write programs. It all just depends on the accessibility that they have equipment-wise. Okay. So that is the biggest thing is making sure that if they only have five pieces of equipment, it's hard for me to write like a full custom tailored program for somebody who has very limited equipment. It's honestly – do you have the gym, the equipment, and the space to do what you need to do? So, yes, I do write programs. Um, it's actually one of the things I really enjoy. Um, I enjoy working with people in person the most. But like I said, I understand that not everybody can come physically work with me at my gym. Where is your so, gym located? We're in Cranberry Township, Pennsylvania, okay. which is about 40 minutes north of Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah, so you're, you're close to Switchback. Yep. yep. Uh, Switchback is about 30 minutes from my house. I think Switchback is actually a little bit more east than I am. Oh, okay. But uh, Switchback is one of the local tracks. Okay. Okay, so awesome. Because I, I, I used to live up in Robinson, PA when I went to school a little bit. Yep. And then uh, My girlfriend went to Robinson, so I know exactly. Okay. She lives in Robinson, so I know exactly where you're talking. Okay, yep, yep. So Okay, so I kind of know where Cranberry is. Okay. <laughs> hey, Ethan, guilty uh, pleasure when it comes to fast food and candy. 
Got to oh, know. I it. knew this question was coming. I yep. knew this question was coming. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's going to sound super basic because <laughs> I would say 75% of the people on this podcast give the same answer. <laughs> but Chick-fil-A, I probably eat there three times a week. You just and don't eat the bread, right? <laughs> I'm joking. Oh, no. That's like I eat a number one with a large fry and a strawberry milkshake every time I go there. Yes. Is, that, is that right after a workout or – Sometimes that- before. Okay. I got you. I got you. <laughs> no, that's that's typically like an end of the day. See, this like is what cap. I like hearing. I like this these obtainable goals, you know, because I can do yes. that. I I, I can eat Chick Fil A three can times eat a week. Like crap and be fit. You just gotta own a gym and work out really hard. See, that, <laughs> and, and my, my my wife actually like if she was half joking. She said, "Ask him." How I can lose ten pounds and still eat whatever I want. <laughs> oh, easy, easy. And when it comes to candy, this is very specific. But I eat this every single weekend at the races. It's my pre-race food. Um, unwrapped Starburst Minis. Okay, that's my candy. I literally could not live without them. That's that a new is one. My, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's my that's my pre-race sugar. I probably eat about three or four handfuls of those on the line. And typically finish the bag right after the race. Nice. Starburst are awesome. good. Yeah. They're addictive after a while. Hey, Ethan, if people yeah. want to get a hold of you, where can they find you? Uh, Instagram is at EthanHelbig35. Um, that's typically my best way to get a hold of me because I don't do a whole lot on Facebook. If people want to Facebook message me, there's a chance I'll get to them. There's a chance I won't. Um, if they Google CrossFit Beyond Parallel – I mean, if they find my gym in Cranberry, the gym's phone number is literally my cell phone. So they can just text me. I give everybody my cell phone as long as they're not trying to stalk me. Um, I'm perfectly fine with that. Perfect. Awesome. Well, hey, man, I tell you what, we appreciate you coming on the podcast. One thing that I really love about this is is I feel like you're bringing a really, really unique perspective into the racing community uh, from uh, somebody that, 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 wasn't always in the racing community and bringing like a maybe even a touch of different uh fitness styles and options that people maybe haven't looked at into the past because you know a lot of these guys is like i ride my dirt bike i ride my quad and that's all i ever do that's all i've ever done (laughs) right a pack of marlboros and i drink a case of beer before the race i I can't (laughs) believe how many people do that I'm i'm like this is insane these people are going to go out and do like one of the most demanding fitness tests tomorrow, and they're smoking Marlboro Reds and drinking Budweiser at 9.30 at night on a Friday before the race. Listen, oh. we have a buddy, okay, we have a good buddy, and we go. We used to run motocross with him all the time, and before before you go out on the track, he would smoke a cigarette. <laughs> He'd come off breathing heavy, heavy as, like, like, I don't know, just really heavy, and he's like, where's my cigarette? Where's my cigarette? He's like, I'm like, he smokes a cigarette and he calms down. I'm like, dude, well, how are you going to fill your lungs wow. up with smoke? <laughs> the, best- no, the best is well, I-, I don't know if he's suffering from heavy breathing or anxiety at that point. <laughs> I have a buddy, and, and dude's in, incredibly fast. But my favorite part is watching him stick the uh, stick that pack of cigarettes in, in his fanny pack just in case he breaks down. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I can't believe that's a crazy thing. He's ins- I guess that is he's a in- thing. He's insanely fast too. He's insanely fast. But uh, yeah, it's 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 funny. But hey, um, so we talked about where people can t- get a hold of you. So yeah, dude, great podcast, man. We will definitely for sure be doing this again. Uh, might have to yeah, make it a re- anytime you guys want. I yeah. mean, 
Yeah. Anytime. So, I mean, I, and I know you guys go to the GNCC, so we definitely got to meet up in person and, and maybe start some, some more future conversations. Yeah, so. for yep. sure. Man. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. And maybe, maybe be making a couple two uh, two workout plans for uh, one of each of us. There we go. So. <laughs> hey, let's, let's talk. All right. All right, man. Good. Thanks again for coming on, buddy. No, thank you. All right, man. Bye. All right, guys, that was Ethan Helbig. Uh, dude, Listen to that podcast twice, three yeah, times. Um, I'm sure. There's a lot of information there to yeah. unpack, uh, a lot of stuff. We'll be definitely talking to him in the future uh, about fitness and health and wellness. Um, What's cool about that is everybody can benefit. Everybody can benefit, even if you're not racing every weekend like yeah. us, even if you're not racing at all. Yeah. And you just, you know, you want to you be fit, you want to be healthy. Uh, but Amateur, pro. Yeah. Uh, what, like I said before, and I'll say it again, um, I really like how he is comes from an outside perspective uh, point of view um he's not the like i rode bike because all the guys before me rode biked yeah. um you know or 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 i do this just because that's what everybody else does yeah so i really like his point of view and i look forward to hearing more so let's move yeah. on yeah we got hopefully we got ronnie rush coming on. yeah <laughs> we're running a little bit late so hopefully ronnie rush is able to still come on but uh, uh great podcast so far yeah we're gonna bring ronnie on and talk about his uh xc2 season and uh also we're talking a little bit about snowshoe yeah Dude killed it at Snowshoe, yes, so did. so we're going to get him on the line now. All right, guys, we're back, and uh, thanks to Ronnie Rush for hanging on. Uh, we told him we'd be on a little bit earlier than we were, and it's uh, it's been uh, he's been holding for us for a little while. Ronnie, thanks for coming on to the show, buddy. No problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Dude, you've been killing it this season in the XC2 class, um, uh, putting in some great rides, just coming off of a win at Snowshoe. Uh Talk to us a little bit about that. Um, looks like you're having fun doing it, too. That's a cool thing. Uh, yeah, definitely having fun. You know, this is my uh, third year in XC2, and, um, you know, we've just been kind of learning these past couple of years because, you know, it doesn't just come all in one year. It's like a kind of like a leading stepping stone kind of ordeal. You just learn, learn more and more each year, and then eventually you're to that level. And I feel like this, this has just been our year, you know. Um, We've been kind of got our training all straightened out, and uh, you know the bikes have been really, really solid this year. Shout out to BNR for that, and um, everything's just been kind of working out for me and going my way. So definitely an awesome year, and we're having as much fun as we can with it. Yeah, man. Um, I tell you what, and like you said, you, it's it seems like especially in the ATV classes, you almost have to go through like your growing pains first. And it seems like you got to climb. It's a, it seems like a slow, a slow climb to the top. And, um, yeah, last year you had a really good year. And then this year you took just another step up and, um, you're, you're winning a lot of races. Uh, I think you won, won three races this season and only finished uh, off, yep. finished off the podium twice. So yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. Finished off the podium twice. Yeah, yeah, so that's a solid, solid, consistent season so far, and um, you're doing it with style, man. Uh, I can tell you, I was up at Snowshoe uh, a couple weekends ago, and uh, you could tell when Rodney Ronnie was coming because dude's on the on the gas at all times. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> they call me the. Um clutch destroyer. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, what did you, uh, how'd you feel about snowshoe? I mean, you rode tremendously, uh, real Uh, rough, physically demanding track. Uh, what did you think of snowshoe? 
you know, you never really know what to expect going into a snowshoe race. Um, you know, usually I'm, I mean, in previous years of XC2, I've been kind of in like that, um, cause it's like five on one row. You guys know all that. So I'm usually in like the second row for my class. So I would always have that time adjustment on the, uh, kids in my class in front of me. So like, you know what I mean? Made you feel a little bit better, but it's a little bit different, like starting in the front. I had, um, I was in row three with all the XC1 guys and um, Jay Shadron. So it was definitely like, okay, so I can't, no, no room for error. Cause if I was, I didn't even have to be asked to, you know what I mean? Lose my position. Yeah, so right. definitely a lot of pressure on you for sure. But most important is just to keep that nice steady pace going and make sure you're moving at all times. Cause you know what I mean? People just, you don't really know who to expect to be around you in that kind of race. Yeah, absolutely. It's like almost like racing a ghost. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, I can, I've always thought that, you know, like you said, being the guy uh, in wrote with that time deficit, you know, kind of in your favor of going and catching somebody, it's definitely the move to have. Um and I, I wondered what you thought about that as far as, like, you know, would you rather be the hound or the rabbit, <laughs> pretty much? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so what was it – So, but another thing as far as, you know, starting up there with those guys, was it different um, – starting with the uh, a lot of the guys that's on the on the front row uh rather than having to chase them down do you feel like that helped you with your pace uh to start uh, with yeah def- definitely helped me with my pace um you know starting up there with them actually one guys because they're rolling a little bit faster of a speed so i was able just to click into that speed right off the bat and i just found myself in a good groove kind of all day yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, we had Brandon Owens on the podcast a few weeks ago, uh, which is one of your main competitors uh, as well. But one of the cool things that he had mentioned was is how you guys kind of all grown up together and you guys are all friends. Uh, so it seems like a really, really good, like com- competitive, but a really cool rivalry that you guys are able to have. Um, oh, you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know you probably feel the same way. Yeah, me and Brandon um... – We've been racing for a while against each other back on the um, in the schoolboy class, actually, on 250s. Me and him would always battle it out. And, um, you know what I mean? I just always had a lot of experience, but he's definitely been clicking away over the past years. And now me and him are like, you know what I mean, dead on. Like, <laughs> we're both rolling a freaking wicked speed, and we're just pushing, e- pushing each other and making each other freaking fast. So it's definitely uh, fun having a – rider that's like that and you know what i mean we're both kind of the smaller kids in the class so they're like look at these 145 pound kids (laughs) (laughs) ripping and you know that's a cool thing because like like uh you know we since we're on the podcast of talking about like fitness and 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 all of that stuff one one thing that i think is awesome is to be able to see somebody like you said yourself at 145 pounds battling with somebody that is 190 pounds and 
you know, can, for instance, bench the quad. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it, it's cool to see uh, different body sizes and different f- forms of racing. Like, you know, you hear some people coming through the woods and they're, they're lugging the bike. And then you hear Ron, Ronnie coming through the woods and like, he, you know, he self-proclaims he's the clutch destroyer, uh, just <laughs> yep. revving it out at all times. It's cool to see all the different styles and different body types of people being able to do the same thing. Uh, so, yeah, I mean – that's cool. It's you're not seeing like uh, it's not like UFC where you see somebody just towering over somebody. Yeah, a weight class. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so uh, you know, one question I have is, and I can't remember if Brandon actually answered this in, in that podcast or not. But do you guys have do you guys have drop rounds um, in the XC2 class? Uh, yeah. So okay. there's two. There never used to be them. And they uh, changed it a few years back. I think uh, I think three years or so or they changed it, but we actually have two drops now. So um, it's definitely uh, nice to, you know what I mean, have that in the back right. of your head. Like, hey, if I have a bad race, but you know what I mean. For me, right now in my <laughs> position, it's like, all right, I wish there wasn't any drops because I'm having a pretty solid season. And you know what I mean. Some guys like Brandon and Wyatt and Ben have had a few bad races that will get covered up from those right and I was going to ask it's hard to it's hard to have an unbiased answer to that question uh unless you're completely out of it um Brandon like what do you think of of drop rounds at that high of a level yeah I mean that's tough uh that high a level it's almost like uh it's like should we really have them? And then if you have a bad race, you're like, oh, yeah, I'd like to have that drop point. You know what I mean? But, uh, but looking yeah. out for, looking from the outside in, Brandon, like yeah. you and me as a fan. Yeah, we would never – like well, I never thought they had any. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah Actually, on the XC2 of dirt bikes things, they don't have no drops. So, it's only for the XC2 quad. So, huh. that's it's weird. a little weird, but, that's weird. you know, whatever. I guess the quads are harder to keep together. Maybe that's what they're thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, could, you could buy a freaking dirt bike and – it's race ready, ready to roll. Yeah. yeah. Do you <laughs> do you feel like that gives you maybe more sometimes an incentive to like, well, I got a round I can throw if I have to. I'm just gonna send it if I'm if I'm <laughs> yeah. having like a like a. That's it, definitely in the back of my head, you know, like uh, say John Penton, um, when me and Brandon were duking it out, kind of all race, he had about 15 seconds all all day, and it it was coming down to the last couple miles and. I just got him an eyesight, and I could tell he was turning it up in the last few miles. So I was like, all right, I'm going to try and get him here at the end. And I actually ended up coming together with a lapper, and I was like, all right, bad idea. We're just going to back off a little bit, take the second, and make sure we don't break anything. So, you know what I mean? If we're in position, we're definitely going to shoot for it. But, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, we're looking for points. Yeah. Yeah. So what's been your favorite race this year so far, Ronnie? Uh, honestly, my favorite race this year was probably Camp Coker, just because of how the race went, and it was just like an up and down day for me, but it turned out for, you know what I mean, a sweet day. Uh, pretty much that race, it was like, uh, that race is like kind of sandy, soft in certain sections, so it's like similar to Florida in a way, but not as sandy, so, you know what I mean? I got some arm pump early on in the day, so I was like in second then i fell back to like fourth but you know what i mean it was just kind of one of them races where you just got to keep on digging and um that's where i found myself i put on that uh last lap push and i ended up catching 
catching up to Ben on the last lap and getting him a mile before the finish. And we got that win. So that was like a, that, that, that race right there meant a lot to me. That kind of showed me that, you know what I mean? We have what it takes to be in the position that I am right now. Yeah. Th- those races are always, uh, s- somehow always find a good spot in your, in your, uh, mind there, uh, yeah. coming back from pushing hard all race and then in the catching the guy a mile before, before the finish line to win. And, uh, yeah, yeah you I mean, got a little bit of motivation, like, all right, I can do this. I've did it before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, like we always say all the time, man. Motivation in this sport is is like taking oh, steroids. And you know, honestly, you know, it, it it those races in particular, like Brandon, like what's more, um, what's more defeating for your competitors to to say like. Ronnie went out there, took the whole shot, and never saw him all race, and he won. Or he passed me with a mile to go. You know what I mean? Uh, So you can make an excuse like, "Well, I'm not. I I didn't even see him all race, and he got (laughs) he got the whole shot. I didn't." And then, but if he came from behind me and passed me, like, ooh, (laughs) yeah. Well, I hit a tree. I hit a tree. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, so. What what else? What do you do like to do off the bike, Ronnie? Do you, you like to golf? You like to fish, hunt? Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm an amazing cornhole player. Uh, <laughs> so you've been yeah. racking up the money all weekend, right? Fourth of July weekend. Yeah, I could have, I, I could have used you this weekend at my family reunion then. <laughs> yeah. My family, my family would gladly hand me over to your family after this week. Nice. But no, I like to, I like to go goat karting. You know what I mean? At the local goat kart shop. Okay. But, um, you know what I mean? Just mountain biking, just active stuff, bass fishing, all that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. Go-karting's always Pretty fun. active outside. You're from the uh, Pittsburgh area, correct? Yep. About 15 minutes from the uh, city. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So are you, uh, how old are you? Uh, I'm 19 years old. Okay, cool. Cool. So, yep. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, now, does it depend on how this season goes? What's your plans for the upcoming season? Are we going to XC1, or if you win the championship, are you going to defend this year? Uh, what's your plans? Uh, I'm kind of kind of sitting in a spot where, like, if I have a have the next two solid races um, up on the box, um, depending on the points where they're at, but I would like to move up to XC1 just to, like, get that – little advantage like all right you know what i mean let's just move up and we can get that speed a lot faster yeah if i waited a year you know what i mean i feel like i would just i would just be holding myself back so yeah um we'll definitely try and get this championship and uh if we have it before the season's over sweet we'll um move up and uh see what we can do at the last couple rounds yeah, yeah. It's, I, I, I was wondering because I think Brandon Owens, I think he said he was wanting to move up to to XC1. That's so. awesome. I love seeing the guys, yeah. the young guys wanting to move up and, and, and throw your name in the hat uh, up there. Um, you know, we talked to a lot of guys that, that are in that XC1 class and they talk about how, like, you know, it's – you know, once you get there, it's different. Um, but right now, you're you know, you're able to, to, to run a – you're running a top ten pace uh, – a decent amount this season um um are you able have you been able to get in and get in the mix with uh with some of these xc1 guides um i guess maybe aside from um snowshoe where you started with them um what what kind of experience do you think that has gotten you this year uh getting to run 
run up to those guys and then be able to hold their pace and run with them? Uh, you know what I mean? It definitely feels good being able to, you know what I mean, catch catch up from them from like a normal race, you know what I mean, their 10 seconds call. And I, I don't know exactly how far of a gap they uh, run us at a normal race, like from XC1, XC2, but uh, you know what I mean? It's definitely sweet catching up to Johnny G, and then you're like, all right, I can't be that far from the rest of the pack, and then uh, you'll catch up to freaking, you never know who's having a rougher day, but uh, sometimes I'll catch up to Austin or Greg or, you know what I mean, whoever's yeah. back there, but it'd be nice to get myself up into there, like uh, start catching up to Josh Merritt a lot more. Uh, he's a super, super fun dude to ride with. I've been practicing with him and Cole a little bit this year. So um, I've been tr- I've been running their pace a little bit. Uh, they've been helping me out. So huge props to them. Uh, but Josh has been ripping too this year. So it's definitely fun to get up there and, you know what I mean, show them guys a wheel or two and show them that I'm, I'm back there, so don't mess up. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that's, that's awesome that you are able to train with those guys and uh, pick up on some of their pace and, and run with them. Those guys are – man, we talk about it from week to week in that, um, that XC1 ATV class. That class, man – I mean, I know Walker is running. We're well, not really. I mean, Hunter's holding him to a yeah. lot, holding his feet to yeah. the fire a lot. Uh, but the whole class in itself it is. I feel like every year they're pacing up even more so. Oh yeah. To where sure. it's just such a sprint. Um, and I myself, I feel like personally, like like the way that Walker has kind of changed the sport into a sprint that it's trickled down into each and every class um, in one way or another. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, that whole XC1 class is freaking stacked. You know, every year, Austin Abney's up there now. There's just, you know what I mean, John Glaude is up there. So all the young bucks are starting to find their way into that class. So it's definitely just getting faster and faster. And, you know what I mean, like Chris Borish and Walker, Cole and all them. Like, we're just pushing them to go even faster, so then they're pushing us to go even faster. It's just like a circle chain reaction. <laughs> yeah, and you guys have kind of like, I don't want to say been like kind of brung into the sprint speed, but you guys, it's kind of like uh, how we were kind of born into computers and our mom and dad wasn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are a, kind of born yeah. into the sprint speed instead of like, you know, the old pace, you know, the I don't want to say the old pace, but yeah. the, you know, the slower Learning nice. into yeah, it. Yeah. Dang, it's, Brandon, it's that's weird. that's the most incisive thing that I've ever heard you say. <laughs> Good analogy. That's right. Yeah. Podcast, what, 43? We're and that was it, about blew my mind right there that you're born into it. I like that. You might have to put that in the title. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, that pace um, – um, I get Brandon said it perfectly. Like, like you've kind of grown up in that pace to where it's like, yeah, like, what are you guys talking about? Like it used to be a, um, like just kind of fill each other out for, for three laps. Like yeah. we've been, my, I've been running this pace my whole life. So that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like yeah, a we, moto pace out there, isn't it? Like you guys are, yeah, it honestly is. I mean, you don't really notice your body too much that you're like, we're just so freaking focused. Like we, we're like, 100 percent zoned in on the track just our surroundings lines and stuff so you know what i mean we aren't really like yeah we feel that we're getting a little tired maybe here and there but you don't really get that tired unless you like take your hand off the bars or like 
get off your quad to get yourself unstuck and then you'll feel it. you're like oh my gosh i wish i never did that <laughs> <laughs> there was actually a time at snowshoe whenever i was i just went to pull my goggles and i took my hand off and just pulled my string and my hand like literally like locked up while I, my hand was like open so i was like i can't even put my hand on the bars again <laughs> Shoot, <laughs> that's happened to me a couple times yeah 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 that's arm pump will get the best of you sometimes yeah, oh, yeah dude we just we literally just talked about arm pump for a half an hour before you came on the podcast so so go back and listen you might you might pick up a couple tricks you know? <laughs> yeah i will have to go Go listen to it. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, Ethan uh, Hellebig was giving us some uh, pointers and tips on how to maybe not get arm pump, but uh, yeah, mostly nutrition I, is what he's saying. I, I'll throw a little tip in there. I usually, throughout the week, and I'll just con- constantly stretch my arms out leading up to a race or something. Yeah. Kinda, it seems to help me yeah. a little bit. Yeah, he mentioned that. Stay, uh, stay loose and stretch them, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Stay away from, uh, I think it was lactic acid. I think yep. that's what he said. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like and marbles. And yeah. marbles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And marbles. So. packed cigarettes on the line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Brandon mentioned uh, motocross. Uh, I've seen a lot of your Instagram where you have a lot of motocross practice. Uh, do you ever. Do you ever uh, get behind a gate and race some moto um, from time to time locally, or or uh, is that just a practice tool that you use from um, uh, on the weekdays? Uh, you know, I've always thought about racing an ATV MX race. Mm-hmm. I want to do it so bad, but in the back of my head, I'm like, all right, you know, we're a woods racer. Maybe we should not do this. But <laughs> then you see like Wesley Wolf out there just sending it, killing it. Man, he's killing it, isn't he? He goes up to GNCC and he's still holding his own ripping. So, you know what I mean? It definitely looks super fun. Uh, travels just as much as GNCC further, honestly. So. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely uh, definitely always been in my head, but uh, I like to practice on moto just because it's a little bit more high intensity. So, you know what I mean? If, yeah. If we're on a faster track or something, it definitely comes into play a little bit. Like, all right, I've got my heart rate up this high before on the moto track. I can definitely manage this. So, yeah. Definitely and- just... Certain certain terrains help you out. Yeah, and that's something you see across the board with the GNCC community, whether it be bike or quad. Um, a lot of guys are practicing uh, with motocross nowadays. Um, that's becoming like a, a almost um, – I feel like a lot of you guys are almost running, if not more uh, – motocross than, than than in the woods because you're able to get that heart rate up to where you want it and hold it there for more consistent times because just because of that intensity like you said um, yeah it, it definitely helps with that uh sprint speed like we were talking about yeah. earlier yeah and it's just fun <laughs> yeah yeah like brandon said and it's just fun yeah. um so, you know out of much much lower level <laughs> brandon and i came from the ATV motocross world, uh, like we did a bunch of local stuff when we were growing up. And when I, when we started going into the woods and racing, I do feel like you bring more intensity, uh, coming from a motocross like background or practice. And, and, uh, it really, really translates well to woods racing for sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely helps your form on your bike. You know what I mean? To know, like, kind of in the air, like, if you have your body position some way, you'll be able to throw the bike around a little bit more. So if you, like, hit a root or something and it shoots you up in the air, you kind of have that just secondhand nature. Like, all right, I know what to do right here. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And if you're, if, you know, 
you're, you're uh, uh, watching Wesley Wolf, you can see that uh, the two hours in the woods has been helping him a lot lately at the end oh, of yeah. those at the end of those motos because he's been he's been making some late charges uh, in the pro motocross world and shaking it yeah, up for sure. <laughs> I've I've seen some of that. He's been killer towards the end of the races. Yeah, you got to root for a guy like that. What an Iron Man! Yeah. Uh, just the travel schedule in itself is insane to me. <laughs> oh yeah, he's definitely a busy man. You know, what I mean? <laughs> work hours in the week and then going out and doing what he's doing on the track. So yeah, yeah he's for, definitely killing it for sure. So the when when is it? Is it like five weeks when the next GNCC is? I know it's a while, right? Yeah, it's it's somewhere in that. Yeah, somewhere in that range. Yeah, you'll be traveling back to uh, West Virginia. Um, obviously, had success at Snowshoe. Is the terrain in West Virginia something that you enjoy to race? Um, I know you mentioned Camp Coker. That's a completely different type of uh, track right there. Um, um, what track style I think do suits you? Maybe not even suits you, but what do you find uh, more exciting to go to that you look forward to? Uh, you know, I'm kind of a, a technical rider. Like I'm pretty, I'm pretty good in, uh, the rocks, uh, where I, where I have some property out in PA, I got, uh, my track is like, it's a little bit of everything. It got rocky sections, kind of what I've been riding on lately. Cause we've been up North. So, or, uh, so yeah, we've been up North and I've been, uh, kind of practicing on those rocks and stuff and PA dirt and stuff and just getting that down. Um, so definitely probably my, uh, strong point is rocks and a little slickness to it, a little slick dirt. Um, but we definitely can, uh, definitely rip around some high speed tracks like, uh, John Penton. I'm pretty sure we actually go back there this year. Yeah, yeah I think yes, you, you do. do. Yeah. 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 yeah so. Yeah, that that's track's definitely sick. Yeah. Yeah, it is for sure. I've never got to run it, but, uh, watching all the, Brandon's looking at me like there's always this year uh, yeah. <laughs> um, the, looking looking at like the GoPros and stuff like that that looks like a really fun track and I think it's kind of a, a rider favorite um, to a lot of people for sure uh, yeah. yeah for sure so um, yeah man I, dude you've, you've been killing it this year uh, really exciting um, Brandon you always know uh, when Ronnie's coming around because he's always making sure you look over at the camera, even then he's flying oh, yeah. at, at 50 miles an hour through the woods. Crowd pleaser. <laughs> Crowd pleaser. That's yeah. right. He does hey. look at on his shots, right? He's going through like, oh, yeah, that's a good shot. Like, pull that up. <laughs> pull over. Let me watch that video. Yeah, right. never lets off the rev limiter just looking over at the camera. <laughs> that's right. Have you been hitting any uh, locals up lately? Uh, or, or I'm sorry, I should say, are you going to be hitting any locals up um, between now and the uh, the next race of the Mountaineer. Oh yeah, we're gonna um, definitely be at a local probably every week from here to the GNCC. It's definitely good to just stay on the bike. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, stay loosened up. So we actually just got done with a, a New East Coast buddy race I did with Tanner Walker. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Was, that wasn't too far from from where we're at. Yeah, it was actually at High Point. Yeah. 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 yeah it was definitely. A, an amazing, amazing day. Uh, shout out to New East Coast. You know what I mean? It's super cool that they made a, you know what I mean, a triple crown buddy race. So that's definitely different than the previous buddy races that have been around different series. So it's definitely fun to try something different. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's Buddy pretty races cool. Are always fun, man. Yeah, uh, it's, sure. it's more relaxing. You don't have to like. Go do a lap or two, eat a sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> sit back like, oh, let him do the work now. I'll just sit back yeah. and relax. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, Brandon, maybe we should do a buddy race. We should. Yeah, we yeah, you should. Brandon just jumped on the quad for the first yeah. time, and when he was talking about, uh, you know, in the air, like moving your body around, I got this uh, bright idea. I was like, hey, about the third lap on the track, I was like, I'm gonna throw a whip right here. And over, over like a 70 foot tabletop i was like all right come on and i was like i got it over and i couldn't get it back i was like oh shit and I got it back. you're like oh i got it but how do i get it back that's right yeah she she was seeing the my wife's like that was a close one wasn't it when i pull off the track she's like i was like yeah it was i didn't mean to do that that big of a way but did it look cool though oh it looked cool man it looked cool it was it was fun but it was scary did we get it on camera yeah no we didn't get it on camera oh come it was, on it was too far it was on the far side of the track didn't count then man it didn't count <laughs> <laughs> did you guys get to run the uh much of the motocross track at high point this week i saw that you got to guys got to run the rollers but i didn't see um uh, uh, we were in and out we were in and out there was they had um they had a couple little jumps but there was nothing that was like Holy crap, that's a big send. Oh, you didn't get to hit the quad? (laughs) No. How insane Uh, is that, that that, that those those boys are hitting the quad uh, at the ATV National? That was sketchy. I seen that video of Joel Hetrick and all the pros hitting it. I was like, yeah, "Yeah, not me. (laughs) Yeah, I was there watching it all. It was just – it was insane. It was insane. It's wild. Those guys deserve – all the respect that they get it's insane for sure oh, for sure <laughs> it just kills me like uh because they you know they run what was it 20 minutes or something like that or 15 plus one or i can't remember what they I think run. It's 20 I'm, yeah it's either 20 or 25 yeah something, yeah. Like, something that. like that but like to hit that every lap consistently like when you're getting <laughs> tired that's always <laughs> like even like tomac and all those guys like i give them props because like they send the like uh laraka's leap uh this weekend uh at redbud i'm like Dude, that looks you, sketchy this year, though. I'm like, dude, when you're tired at the end of the moto and you, you got arm pump and you still got to hit that right every yeah. time, like yeah. every lap. Yeah. Like, Ronnie, your do arm you just don't have as much strength on the bars? Yeah, right. right? It's like, man. Do you watch much pro moto? Uh, I do here and there, but I mainly just uh, I watch just everyone's videos from after the race. Or right. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. The only thing I, I was thinking about is Brandon just mentioned LaRocco's leap and. Uh, they made it a little tough this year. There was a lot of people casing it. Did you see Roxon cased it? Yeah, Roxon cased it hard. <laughs> yeah, that was, ooh, looked, looked rough yeah. <laughs> for sure. I couldn't imagine hitting that on a quad. <laughs> so, <laughs> supposedly somebody has before. Oh, I guarantee Like they, they, they started in the parking lot, though. Yeah, I <laughs> In the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> Down to the fence line and. Back up through. But. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Hey, Ronnie, man, we appreciate you coming on the show today. Uh, uh, we're definitely a little bit over our time limit now. But man, dude, you're killing it this year. Uh, um, really enjoying seeing you guys battling up front this year and having a really successful season. And uh, I'm excited to see you know you and Brandon talking about moving up into the XC1 next year, throwing your name in the hat up there. Uh, excited oh, yeah. to see what you guys do do there. So, uh, dude, we appreciate you coming on the podcast for sure. Uh, Thanks if for you, having me, guys. Absolutely. Yeah. And if there's one uh, – we have to ask this question to every guest that comes on the show for the first time. Uh, guilty, pleasure, um, uh, fast food, and uh, candy. For the rest of your lives. Yep. <laughs> what do I got to do? 
Oh, uh, what's your favorite fast food uh, and your favorite favorite candy? candy. Yes. <laughs> okay, so you know my favorite fast food probably. I've been killing the. Uh, I think it's I forget the exact name of it, but it's from Arby's, and I've been killing it. It's one of those like uh, ham and cheese burgers kind of thing. It's oh, okay. it's fire. Dude, <laughs> so first good. Arby's got, answer. Got nice, meats, man. Yeah. Got the Arby's, meats. Is, <laughs> Arby's is the move. <laughs> but uh, I like the curly fries. Yeah, man. curly fries are bomb. <laughs> yeah, curly fries are good. <laughs> but for candy, uh, I'm a big fan of the white Hershey. Uh, Oreo kind of what is it? It's like the Hershey bars. Yeah, with, yeah, I uh, got you. But it's okay. The Oreo version. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, it was like the cookies and cream, right? Yeah, yeah, yep, that's yeah. It. I've had it those a couple times. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, two different answers. I haven't heard none of those. That's good. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Hey, dude, thanks again for coming on the show. We definitely appreciate your time this week, and uh, uh, look forward to having you back on. Maybe we can get it. Maybe we can get you back on postseason and uh, talk about the uh, end of the season and uh, what's going on next year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, man. We appreciate it. Uh, uh, you have a good one, and again, thanks for coming on, buddy. Thank you for having me, guys. See Absol- you guys. Absolutely. It's awesome. Later. Bye. All right, guys, that was Ronnie Rush. Uh, awesome kid, man. He's fun to talk to. Yeah, yeah, very, very cool. Uh, very different perspective uh, uh, rider, especially after hearing from Josh Merritt a couple of weeks ago how he likes to save the bike, and then Ronnie's like, I'm the clutch eater, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty cool to hear. But uh, it's cool. Have- I mean, dude, it – it it takes all kinds of kinds, right? Yeah, it does. Man. And and you know uh, he talks about about sending it, and um, he does, man, he mm-hmm. does. If you yeah. if you haven't seen if you haven't been to a GNCC and and watch Ronnie Ronnie come through the woods, he's flying, and uh, he's he's not bashful about uh, about putting it in there and, and hammering the throttle. Um, um, and uh, it's fun to watch for sure. Yeah. And it's fun to watch these kids. Uh, like he, you know, he mentioned, um, and it, it, they're they're noticeably uh, smaller dudes on the bike. Him yeah. and Brandon Owens, and uh, they're running just as fast as these other guys yeah. are. And, and 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 they're sending it. And um, it's cool to see. It's really cool to see all these guys. And uh, it's cool to see the success that Ronnie's had. Um, uh, you know, I, he caught my eye a lot last year. Um, and he had some solid rides. And uh, you knew it was only a matter of time. Uh, he, as you can hear from talking to him, he's definitely not lacking the confidence um, and uh, driving motivation. And uh, I'm really excited that these guys are eager to get into that XC1 class and uh, learn from the top boys and uh, see if they can keep up with them. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really awesome to see. Uh, the young guys coming up through and even going to add to the uh, XC1 stack maybe next year if everything goes right with him and Brandon and all that good stuff. And um, like we said before, they're kind of they're kind of born into it, like yeah. the speed of the class. Yeah, Brandon. Yeah. Just just such an insightful moment you had right there. <laughs> yeah, I have those once in a while. Yeah, I mean, hey, uh, I, you know, the sun shines on a dog's butt every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> so uh man let's uh, let's wrap this show up this, this has been a gym hadn't it it's been great man I, there's still so much I, information in this podcast and i tell you what i think i'm gonna have to listen to this yeah, podcast I'm twice going to. i got it because i gotta get all that information that ethan was talking about yeah and, and stuff like that so i'm probably gonna be hitting ethan up on uh for uh 
for for training regimen. Yeah, I need yeah. something different. Yeah, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be talking to Ethan for sure and seeing uh, about that. Uh, see if he can whip some old boys into shape. Um, but uh, hey, thanks to Guts Racing for helping us put on this podcast. Yeah. Um, speaking of Guts Racing, I wanted to give a shout out to Andy Gregg. He and I were talking over the weekend, and um, he wants to actually start giving away a seat cover on the show once a month. Yeah. So. Uh, it's been about what three weeks since we gave away that yeah. seat cover. Yeah, we'll have to do. Uh, or four we'll weeks. have to come out with a com- competition. Maybe next week. Maybe next week. We'll <clears> so be be listening, guys. I think, uh, or be watching our Instagram, be watching our Facebook. Uh, I think maybe next week we might give away a seat cover. We have to do, think of some kind of competition for you guys to uh, to do, and uh, it will be definitely mentioned on the show. Have to listen to the show. Yeah. To get the seat cover, so we're going to announce it on the show, and you guys got to, uh, you guys got to hit us up for sure. So, hey guys, thank you guys for listening. We definitely could not do this without you. Um, we appreciate the support. Make sure if you like the podcast, you go and you share it to everybody and anybody that you know that wants to hear about racing, or evidently wants to hear about fitness, because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got you covered. So, um, yeah, Brandon, anything? That's it, man. Have a happy. Uh Fourth of July week, end of it, and uh, we'll be good. Brandon, we didn't pick a song. Pick a song. <laughs> we got to pick a song to send out on. <laughs> Guys, matter. we're running out of songs. Help us out. Send us some song requests yeah. to, to, to exit the show with. So uh, I'm going to pause it right now. We'll think of something. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we're out of here, guys. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it, guys. And as always, if you're riding, be safe. Yep. Peace. Peace. Peace.